What is wrong with the Warriors? What makes LeBron so ridiculously hard to guard? Why are there so many candidates for Coach of the Year? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast and episode 13 of Solving the NBA's Problems, One Question at a Time. As usual, we are joined by Dave Dufour, Coach Dave. Every Monday we do this, but we were on the road traveling. Dave, how are you feeling today? I am uh, cold, wet, and a little sick in uh, in Seattle. The uh, Pacific Northwest has not been kind. Ah, you are sick in Seattle. That'll be the, uh, the 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 sequel to Sleepless in Seattle. Or maybe you're also sleepless, sleepless and sick in Seattle. Um, yeah. Sorry to hear about that. Perhaps that's karma for the Seattle team losing their their uh, NBA team, but maybe they'll get it back. Um, I, on the other hand, too, was also traveling. I was in Atlanta visiting the Hawks for several days and in Minneapolis visiting the Timberwolves, which uh, got some really great interviews. And so I think people were really liking the Richard Jefferson one. And I put up one this morning with C.J. McCollum. So uh, definitely make sure to check those out. But uh, here we are. We're in our we're, we're catching up now. We missed our Monday show, but we're going to do this for Friday. So what will we talk about today? Well, I think I think we have to start with the Warriors. Um, they're they're scuffling quite a bit. Six and four in their last ten, um, including what three of their last four they've lost. Right? Uh, that's not very warrior like. Um, they broke that regular season streak, uh, losing back to back games. Uh, things are not things are not great right now. Steph and Clay are really shooting the ball pretty horribly. Probably this is probably the worst stretch. That I can remember of either of their careers. Well, it's a little bit unfair because obviously the elephant in the room is that KD is not playing. And you could take any team in the league or any at any level anywhere, and you take out your top player, or top second, second best player, or whatever you want to call them, you're going to struggle, right? There's going to be I don't know several games, especially in the middle of the year, where you know now we got to figure out who's going to do what we this and be the alpha here and you know take over. I don't know. It, doesn't that feel like somewhat some sort of natural, you know, progression here? Yeah, a little bit, but but also, you know, the, <laughs> I wonder if if Steve Kerr isn't channeling his inner Popovich a little bit and, and sort of trying to, you know, I mean, look, he said all along during the off season they're going to experiment during the regular season. Now, around game sixty, do you want to be doing that? I don't know. Not necessarily. Brad Stevens is still doing it, and, and they managed to beat the Warriors last night. So I, I wonder a little bit if this is sort of um, not like he's throwing games, but he's trying to create some adversity now during the regular season so they're ready for it when they get to the postseason. Because last year was just too easy. Well, that, that does make sense to me. And certainly when I was watching the game last night, it's somewhat bleary-eyed having been you know on the wrong time zones for so long. But, you know, there's a 15-0 run in the fourth quarter, which ended the game for the Celtics. And you're watching this slowly melt down, and they're crapping the bed. And the Warriors lineup that he's got out there in the middle of the fourth quarter for several minutes is Iguodala, McCaw, Ian Clark, Steph, and then James Michael McAdoo. So he's got Clay and Draymond on the bench. Uh, you know, and someone was trying to, to sort of uh, say that, like, and, you know, I'm looking at the, the thing now. They actually started the fourth quarter, and they played, and they didn't really – they did okay. But they took him out in their normal routine, as sort of what they were trying to tell me on Twitter, some people. But uh, all I can tell you is that you couldn't – you have to change up your normal routine when the other team's going like that, and you got to get your, be- your best players back in. 
Yeah, and that's why that's why I say maybe he's trying to create some adversity now, create the conflict, you know, in the locker room now, so that you don't have some of the issues that they had last year in the in the postseason. Yeah, um, the issues being stagnation, bad turnovers, uh, maybe complacency. You know, they're too cocky. What are we talking about here? Yeah, I mean, especially the bad turnovers and being too cocky. Um, you know, t- famously Steph Curry with the behind the back, you know, turnover when he if he had just made a normal pass, Clay Thompson's wide open and probably knocks down that three in Game Seven. And um, I-, I think that it feels like Steve Kerr is trying to prove a point. They also might just be struggling right now. You know, it happens to everyone. Every team hits rough patches, and they just have it for a few years. So, um, you know, it could just be that. Maybe we're, maybe I'm overthinking it. What's the latest that you've heard about Durant and his knee injury? Uh, what I what I read this morning was that things are progressing well, but you never know until they go and do that that MRI or the or the X ray. You know, which they're going to do in another two weeks or so. Right, and you know, it's also too bad for the Warriors, but good for the Celtics is that the Celtics seem to have their number. There's something about the way they spread them out and play. Now that said, like I had vined or videoed whatever we're going to call that now. Uh, one of the best possessions of defense I've seen all year long by the Warriors, where they rotated so perfectly, and they did that nicely. Um, And it definitely felt like what ended up sinking them last night wasn't the defense. It was sort of the offense and kind of falling apart a little bit. They had trouble scoring. Um, I have to go to a deep dive and really look what's going on. I do know that for much of the year, Steph Curry's off-the-dribble threes were way down. He's not shooting those that well. I haven't had a chance to really look at it, but, I mean, what are you seeing out there that's affecting their shooting? Well, I mean, yeah, his off-the-dribble threes are still not great. I think he's at, like, thirty around 37% for the year. I, I looked the other day, and it was 36 and some change. So, um, you know, that's a problem, right? Like, he's not hitting these shots that he was hitting last year. He went when, – when they started giving him the ball more, which I think is – that's the key. He needs to have the ball in his hands more. That's when he he went supernova, you know, for like the month of January. And so, so then then in February they start running more of this off the ball stuff for him. And I think that what they need to do is when Durant comes back, he needs to be like Harrison Barnes plus. And and people think I'm crazy for saying that, but I just think what he can do in that spot is, is important for them, but also it gets the ball back in Steph's hands. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I mean, and th- that's where they were moving towards anyway, it kind of felt like, or at least not Harrison Barnes plus, but they were figuring out a better balance between Steph getting a little bit more on the pick and roll. And, and we got to look at that because I almost feel like you would naturally assume that Steph would have just gotten a ton more pick and rolls and attacking that way. And I don't know. It's not clear to me uh, that uh, that's going to be happening now. And Dave, did you freeze on me? Are you there? I may I may have frozen. Can you hear me? I can hear you though. So that's great. Uh, the, the, your expression is is one of frozen uh, astonishment of what I just said. But uh, oh, I'm I'm coming back. Here, you there go. We go. Here we go. So anyway, so we're back. Little mild, minor difficulty. So anyway, so that's the point. Is that I'm not so sure we've seen um, the the increase in pick and rolls and attacking by, by Steph that we would have expected in the last few games, and that also might be affecting like why he's sort of not doing as well as he could. Yeah. Um, although, you know, the Warriors are not a pick and roll team and they weren't a pick and roll team last year. I think they were 29th or 30th last year. Um, it's just not I don't think that they need 
to do to run pick and roll to be effective. And there's a lot of people that have said, well, maybe when the playoffs come, we'll start seeing that Steph Curry, KD pick and roll. I think their best offense comes out of moving the ball. Um, but I just think that having Steph initiate that is very important for them because because of his ability to hit threes, you know, very easily. Sure. Well, you know, an interesting uh, comparison to that, which is what I made. I, I got a chance when I was in Atlanta. I, I got to watch the game with LeBron. Uh, the Cavs came to Atlanta to play them. And, I, you know, I was thinking about it. I don't think I had ever really seen LeBron play live. Um, and so I'm watching it, and I'm way up there. And, like, the media seat they gave me is way up there. And, but even still, you can see it's a great angle to watch the all, you know, ten players moving. But the thing that I thought was interesting is that, obviously, with Steph, when he – he causes penetration or he drags people with his with his um, his gravity towards different spots on the floor and opens up everything else. And LeBron does that, you know, has that same gravity, but he does it in an entirely different kind of way, right? He because he's so big and strong, he can skip pass on a, as a laser right on the numbers every time, and it was forcing rotations just from a simple skip pass. And that was actually like breathtaking when you watch that. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's LeBron, and especially this year, because he's shooting so well from three. I mean, and not just on normal threes, but deep threes. Um, and his ability to drive, so you, you really want to give him some space. And then he can throw a pass, like you said, a skip pass. But it's all wrist. You know, he really, it's, it's all here. And uh, so he's able to do it from any position. It really makes him impossible to guard. It is just insane. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so the, the Darren Williams corner three that he threw, like he threw a pass through two defenders on a line. Darren Williams had ten seconds to take that shot. And there's no better feeling than getting that pass from LeBron, knocking down the open jumper, and getting a high five from the King. Kind of the same feeling you'll get when you cook great meals that are easily prepared in your own home. And that's what Blue Apron does. They deliver fresh, high-quality ingredients. And trust me, they make a big difference. When my wife compliments me on making pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple, don't get me wrong, I'll take all the credit, but it's really Blue Apron's simple, easy-to-follow instructions. You can customize the menu to fit your taste and schedule, and it's affordable. At less than 10 bucks per person per meal, you'll be making savory dishes like vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. It's the equivalent of hitting a game-winning three in the defender's face every time you fire up your stove. So head over to blueapron.com slash coachnick and you'll get your first three meals free with free shipping by simply typing in that simple URL, blueapron.com slash coachnick. I'm telling you, this is a game changer. You'll be making savory dishes like vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. It's the equivalent of hitting a game-winning three in the defender's face every time you fire up your stove. So head over to blueapron.com slash coachnick and you'll get your first three meals free with free shipping by simply typing in that simple URL, blueapron.com slash coachnick. I'm telling you, this is a game changer. Right. And it's amazing because it's, the, it's also the 
uh, accuracy with how he can hit you right in the numbers. Uh, and he doesn't have to throw a looping pass because he's big and he can see over everybody. And that's really just startling when you watch that. And so rather than thinking, oh, we're going to have to get dribble penetration, break the defense down, kick out, then he can attack. No, no, no. They simply need to like toss it to LeBron somewhere in mid post or wherever he is. And he just will look at it and just fire those passes. And it's, uh, that's going to be an interesting uh, adjustment to defenses. Uh, they, they can't slide over as much. And, you know, I was talking to somebody in Atlanta and their, their idea was, you know, let LeBron score 50 points in a game and shut everybody else down. And don't allow him to throw those because Atlanta continue to rotate three steps farther than they needed to be. And then they're running back to their man. That's an interesting take. What do you think about that as an adjustment? Well, I mean, I, I guess it is one, it's one of those things where one guy is not going to beat you by himself. And so if you say, okay, we're going to take out everyone else and just let LeBron do his thing, I, I can understand that. Yeah, because LeBron is probably not going to hit eight threes in a game. But yeah, right. at the same time, I mean, did, did they mean you guard him one-on-one, don't help? Because I think that's the blueprint for sure. Yeah, and I, we've seen that in the past with like, um, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, and when he would go off, he'd get like 60 points and then, you know, the Pistons would beat them. And um, I certainly think that, yeah, the Cavaliers are at their most dangerous when the, that ball is moving and then those three start raining down. And, uh, and, and again, they don't always often need like Kyrie breaking the defense down and kicking because he's not really going to kick out anyway, right? He's just going to shoot it normally. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of startling. So I would say, yeah, play him straight up. And that's, that's obviously why having players like Crowder or, um, you know, even like a P.J. Tucker, the guys that can be physical with LeBron and like make him work. Um, you know, would pro- are, are the guys who you would want to have on your team because you want to play him straight up. The only problem with that is is that you, you would still need a guy who's his height because he can just fire those passes over you if he wants to. It would be great to have a guy big enough. I'm not even sure there is somebody who's six nine strong enough who can guard him. Is there? Well, I mean, this is where Kevin Durant is kind of a LeBron killer. You know, um, the last few years, KD has had his number. On defense and on offense. I mean, LeBron can't guard KD, but KD can hang with LeBron. I mean, he's one of the few guys. He's so long, LeBron can't really post him up. And, uh, you know, he can hang with him off the dribble. So, you know, I, I think that KD might be the only guy in the league that's able to do that. Oh, yeah. And by the way, a comment on Periscope for Kawhi. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Kawhi can kind of do that as well. He's not 6'9". Um, I, I'm actually trying to picture in my mind's eye how well that works out for Kawhi against LeBron. I think it's okay, right? I don't know if it's great for the Spurs. I think I Kawhi think? owns he owns that matchup. Kawhi he owns that owns matchup that. on the defensive end. He does. Okay. Well, then you, there, there's your answer. I, I have to kind of go back in some footage and really check because I, I think you know. Kawhi might be the guy that LeBron hates to see the most. Okay. Interesting. So that this probably goes back from the, to the finals, right, in the 2014. Yeah. Do you remember that famous uh, the, the little video where uh, LeBron was checking in and Pop Pop saw it, sent Kawhi back in, and LeBron, you know, gives the damn it, you know, like why's it got to be that guy? Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. So there's another example. Now um, it might not matter because I don't think we're gonna get a Cavs Spurs matchup, but you never know. I mean, the one thing that we are seeing from the Warriors' struggles right now is that they are vulnerable to some degree. They're now back to the uh, to being, you know, mortal, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how long this lasts. You know, like, again, 
every team struggles, even good teams. And so, you know, they've they've had a remarkable nearly three-year run. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that the sky is falling yet. We'll see how it goes. I mean, the Spurs are only a game and a half back um, for the for the one seed, and we've got what eighteen games to go. So, and they they play three more three more times, not four. Yeah, so they play awesome. three more times, and we'll definitely be doing live shows around that. I imagine, right? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, we'll definitely do that when they come up. Um, I guess that also then brings in the conversation like the Coach of the Year award. And, and where that stands, because I was on Twitter yesterday talking about it. And you know what? It's, it, we've never, I don't think we've ever had this many legitimate choices because there's so many storylines. Spolstra has really kind of not, uh, you know, gummed up the works here because they're playing. I don't know what their record is since their terrible start, but it's better than probably anybody's at this point. They're 31 and 34 right now. They started um, out 2 and 8, right? Yeah. They, they were like 10 and 20 when their run started. So they've okay. gone 21 and 14. Okay, um, okay. Well, that's not that great, but they had a huge winning streak in there. And certainly when you start out that poorly and you start playing this well, there's something that has to do with coaching without question uh, and lineups. I know, you know we were looking at some of the lineups before, so he's in the discussion, I would say, right? Yeah, I think he is, at least for the narrative. Um, to me, I, I think Scott, Scott Brooks is, should be the coach of the year or Mike D'Antoni. I think it's between those two. Um, you could give the award to Pop every year. Right. Right, like you could name it after him. Uh, you know, they just made the playoffs for the twentieth consecutive season, and that's obviously that's something never been done before. Um, so you could you could say that a lot of people will probably say Quinn Snyder going forty one and twenty four, but you know, with that talent, if everyone expects you to win fifty fifty five games, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, right. Fizdale will get will get some uh, some buzz. Uh, even though the Grizzlies have fallen off quite a bit. And, you know, look out for Billy Donovan also because there's, you know, the Thunder don't have playoff talent outside of Russell Westbrook. I'm not saying that they're a dumpster fire talent-wise, but I don't think they're, you know, a playoff team. I think they should have been struggling to win the eighth seed. But we, of course, didn't realize that all these teams that are fighting for the eighth seed would be so bad. Right. And by the way, they upgraded their roster a little bit now because they got Taj and McDermott. Those are two, you know, pieces that are better than what they had in theory. Uh, and But they're struggling all of a sudden. And again, part of this could very well be they've lost four in a row. But, you know, you're integrating two major guys. And then you're bringing Kanner back after being out for a while. So now you got three guys to try and shove back into a lineup and figure out rotations and get everyone used to each other. So again, just like the Warriors, it feels like the Thunder are kind of going through the typical pains you'd go through anyway. Um, I mean, the stat line the other night I thought was interesting against the Blazers. Or I, I think it was, when did Russ have uh, 60 points or 58 points? That was two nights ago. So yeah, and it was against the Blazers? Is that what I'm talking yes. about? Yes, yeah. You know, and so he scores almost Thunder. 60, and the Blazers have three, you know, three guys that combine for 60. And they win. Right. And it kind of tells you something. And, and we can go into that, too, because, you know, the argument has always been, well, no one else is going to be able to score and do all that stuff. And it's like, I, we've, I said it ad nauseum, when you're, when you're talking about playing at this level with other pros and you kind of get into that mindset that, oh, no one else can do it, I, I have to do it, I, it just doesn't ring true to me. Well, it's sort of what we just talked about with LeBron. You know, can one guy beat a team on his own. I don't think so. I think that, you know, yeah, let LeBron score 60 points and hold everyone else to 20. And, you know, <laughs> you're doing pretty well. I, I think I, I'd take my chances with that. Right. 
And, you know, especially if you're talking about in a series over seven games. And we saw that with the, uh, when the Warriors won the finals. Um, you know, that, that's what happened. And even still, remember, when, they, when the Cavs finally won, you know, listen, LeBron was all-world and all-amazing, but he absolutely positively needed Kyrie Irving to have, you know, some amazing games and some amazing plays that were made. And then also Kevin Love. I mean, the, that, that had to happen for that to work. It, I don't think, it, again, they wouldn't have won if it was just LeBron doing it all on his own like he tried in 2015. Is that when they won? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that that's what we're learning. And, I, you know, the, the only other weird caveat is that this is from the point guard position. We've seen it with Michael Jordan from the shooting guard. We've seen it, like, you know, with like the, maybe LeBron as a power forward and other players like that. But I don't remember, like, a point guard in this position before, you know, unless you want to count Harden. But that seems like a little bit different this year than it had been in the past. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it is kind of weird that you've got a point guard that's that's doing that in that way, um, and and it's it's not gonna it's not gonna win you very many games come April and May. Like it just we we've seen it before, right? But what I haven't seen before is Harry's, a place to get high quality razors to shave your face. And if you're like Dave and need to shave your dome, they've got a special razor for that too. The trial set came to my door in a cool package with shaving gel, four razors, an easy-to-hold handle, and an even cooler story about their founders, Jeff and Andy, who literally bought their own factory to make razors for two bucks a blade, half of what you'd pay when going through the hassle of driving to the drugstore, waiting for the dude to open up the special locked case, since I guess there's a black market for stolen razor blades or something, and that's if you even remember to buy them while you're getting shampoo and soap and everything else. So head over to harrys.com slash coach Nick and you'll get their trial set for free. There's a small shipping fee and you'll get a truly great shave out of it and you'll always have that smooth shave and soft skin. That's harrys.com slash coach Nick to have all of your shaving needs delivered right to your door and you'll have a shave as smooth as a crossover step back pull up swish. You know what's funny? I, I kind of want to look. Do you know? Are you aware at all of what Russ's rating is on the pull-up mid-range jumper, like off that screen and roll, like on the wing? Like, do we know what that is as far as? I, I have no idea. That's very specific. <laughs> well, only because it's 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 the shot he takes the most. You know, he comes around, he pulls up from like 18, and and I'm just kind of curious because it just seems so up and down. And I know everyone like that's his shot, and I don't mind him taking that one either. But like, I, I swear I'll watch it, and it's like. You know, he'll miss like two or three in a row in a crucial moment of the game where that's like maybe not the best shot that you'd want or or maybe you shrug and that's it. But I don't know. It's a little bit curious to me. But uh, I did want to. But Donovan certainly gets some consideration. I don't think obviously he'll probably be down by the end. But I would imagine that you're talking about between D'Antoni, um, Snyder, um, Scott Brooks and like, I don't know, I guess Pop. And I'm missing somebody else. Um, uh, Spolstra. Like, you know, that, this might be the closest race we'll have had in a while. It might, you know, might not be, like, with one, within one or two votes for each, but I think it'll be bunched up at the top there like we haven't seen before. I think also watch out for Carlisle. And, you know, if the Nuggets get the eighth seed, Mike Malone possibly gets a, gets a few votes too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it, and it's, it's great. And, you know, Brad Stevens is now, as you know, listen, the Celtics are playing as well as they have since he got there. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I mean, you know, for as much as these awards matter, right? Like, it's gonna be interesting. I, I think that this will be one of the few years um, where where you're gonna have controversy at almost every single individual award. 
Yeah, or uh, controversy or arguments or, and good arguments or either way. The Scott Brooks thing, again, we talked about that before. It just really blows me away because he went from offensively a guy who didn't run any offense uh, that, you know, or mu- not much of one to uh, it's clever and there's motion and there's movement and it's, you know, it works. Um, and that's, you know, it's a, it, it, he deserves a lot of credit for that. It must be like the year off or something. But again, we talked about it before, and it really, I, the more I think about it, the more I feel like I'm right as far as it, it just feels like the players just didn't listen to him. They didn't run what he wanted. And that's, that's you know, a problem. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, he, he's, he's done a really good job learning the game, getting better. Um, and I think it shows. And to me, he's the coach of the year. I think he's done the best job. Huh. Uh, should we go to questions? Yeah, do we have any? Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, user at the Mexicution asks if Russ can really win the MVP because of triple doubles. I'm sorry, can Russ win the MVP? Yeah, can Russ win the MVP because of triple doubles? I think oh. he can. Yeah, that, that, remember, it's a narrative uh, award, right? Right. Most valuable narrative. Yeah, I, I think Russ. I think if if you know most people probably have Russ number one right now because of the triple doubles. And, and you know, I'm not. I, I don't know. I've kind of poo pooed on it all year. It, it is impressive. Don't get me wrong. It just does it matter. Right. Uh, well, right. Is a thirty point eight rebound, seven assist game that much worse than a twenty five, eleven and ten game? Right. Like I think what LeBron is doing is is really impressive. Um, I, I really think that I mean Kawhi, his ability to do it on both ends is why I think Kawhi should be the MVP. Like if you were asking me right now, they're the two seed, they're actually fighting for the fir- for the one seed, and he's doing this stuff on both ends. Like I mean, their second best player, Lamarcus Aldridge, is don't get me wrong, he's a good player, but it's not like LeBron where he has. You know the super friends over there, and then you've got you know all the good players in the West are in Golden State, except for Kawhi and James Harden, basically, and Russ. So I think that Kawhi is doing just as much as those guys, but he's also doing it on defense. And I know that defense doesn't matter anymore, but it it ought to, you know, for this award. Yeah, it's me. To me, it's hands down. I'm going to do a big push for LeBron. I feel like he's the guy that should be winning. Uh, this award, and, you know, primarily because uh, not only are his numbers really impressive, it's the minutes. He's playing so many minutes. That just seems to, that I don't know why that's really resonating with me more, but he's working so much harder than it seems like anybody else. And that seems to me what, why he should win it anyway. You know, but with that same thought in mind, this is where I like, I love Russ because he's all maybe he's playing 36 minutes a night, um, which is about average for whoever, but He's playing every single night, and you feel all 36 of those minutes. And so, like, he is a force of nature for the entire time. I, I'm like, I've never seen him get tired. Although I, I did like in one game right before the All Star break, he did look tired. But he's he's almost superhuman with that. Yeah. No. Yeah. And we you're right. But we've seen him looking tired a little bit, which is really and, and only 
it only uh, is notable because you, you never see that. You know, you didn't used to see that. And I think someone asked me, like, when, when the decline is going to start with him. And, you know, I think we've seen it. I think that we've, been, we've seen instances now this year where, oh, okay, there's a moment where we're starting to see something there. Uh, again, he can pick and choose his spots and continue to be as dominating as ever. But, you know, we're starting to see it. I, I, and I had to surmise that he's probably got, like, the, two more years of, of this, maybe, and then, then we're, it's going to start to decline and maybe pretty quick yeah i i completely agree um okay so we've got let's see at belly jetterogi i'm i'm gonna butcher these names um and he asks can the jazz make some noise in the playoffs they've been playing really great lately they really have they've been they've been very very good and um i think we both think that they could potentially make be a a really difficult second round matchup for for the Spurs or for the Warriors. Absolutely, uh, I just realized I tweeted out a uh, I tweeted out that question instead of the link to the Periscope. But um, so you're saying who who you're saying is the uh, is the biggest uh, threat? Utah. I think Utah could be a huge threat to to uh, the Spurs or to the Warriors. Um, they match up well with both teams. They're long. They've got a you know Rudy Gobert who's a probably the best defensive center outside of Marcus all in basketball, um, at least more dynamically. Yes. Uh, the best, um, right? You know, it's interesting. I, I guess you're talking about a fully healthy. George Hill is out there playing all the time and, and, and they're all, they're not, no one else is injured. Right. Right. And so that's, that's the knock with them, right? Like they're, they play great when they have everyone together, but how long are they going to have everyone together? Right. Um, and that's that's a great uh, that's a great point. So yeah, the, the you know they don't have enough playoff experience in my mind to be able to really make that run. That's probably like this is the year they're going to kind of get their feet completely wet in real intense stuff, uh, and then they'll be ready. But um, you know we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. I'd like to be, I'd like to be as positive as possible on the Jazz and 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 hope they can do it. But I just don't quite feel like they're yet they're there yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I, I've been I've been on that kick since before the season started. Yeah. Um, like I really really wanted them to be good, uh, but yeah, I don't yeah. think they're there yet. Well, we'll see. We have another question out here, which was um, the Mexicution wants to know what's going on with the Clippers. Are they any threat? Uh, yeah, they they had a bad loss yesterday, but they they looked okay uh, the game before. So, what do we make of the Clippers? What's going on? I think they're, you know, they're kind of feeling themselves out again. You know, like you've got to rebuild that chemistry. Chris Paul was out for an extended period. Blake Griffin's been out. He's missed a lot of time. I think they're sort of trying to feel, you know, feel their way back together. And uh, I don't know. It's going to it's gonna be tricky. You would think that after this long together, they wouldn't have these these moments. But it just seems like, you know, when it's all right for them, it's all right. But when it's not... When it's just a little off, it's terrible. Yeah. So they've got to even that out. They, you know, they they need to be a little off, but still, at least be be uh, even. Right. Yeah. And and some of these losses are not great. Uh, and it, it doesn't indicate to me that they're going to compete against the top three teams in the West. So um, you know, and that's probably the swan song, right? I mean, uh, Chris Paul is an unrestricted free agent after this year. Is that correct? He is. Yes. And then and Blake is not. Blake is unrestricted as well. Okay, so you got those two guys. So, you know, that's an interesting uh, dilemma that they have. They've already missed, you know, they're not going to trade them, obviously, now because they missed the deadline. So they might both walk. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's a tricky situation for them because even if they just if they just let uh, Chris Paul or Blake Griffin walk, they don't really have the money to sign anyone else because of all of these contracts that they have out. So they they really needed to move someone before the before the deadline or you know re-sign these guys and look to move them after it you know next season. Right. Yeah, I, I, it just doesn't feel good. It seems like it's it's going to just sort of you know fall apart. And you know what? They gave it the old college try. Unfortunate injuries and stuff as well. But uh, it it might well be that this this grouping just never was destined to win more than they did. It just that's how it is. There's a limit to what you can do with this grouping and this coach. Uh, it wasn't going to happen. Um, we have another question here. Phantom LB10 asks, "What about the Spurs having better D when Kawhi's on the bench? We've seen it earlier in the year. I, mean, I guess I guess we're still seeing that, huh? Where the net rating when he's off." Is better or is a better defense than uh, than when he's on? Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just say that there's a real problem with defensive stats. Yep, that that's that's about it. I mean, you know, Kawhi Leonard is one of the three best defenders in the league, and um, any statistic that says that that the Spurs are better with him off the court is a flawed statistic. Right. You know, it's, it's very easy. You know, like if you look at those starting lineups, it's easy to take him. And put him in that in that corner, and then just exploit Tony Parker, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Pal Gasol. And so he's played so many of those minutes with Pal Gasol um, that it shouldn't even count. You know, like Pal Gasol is so bad at defense that it, it should not it shouldn't detract from Kawhi's stats. Right. And then, by the way, that reminds me, I was at the, in Minnesota and they canceled the game, so I had that great seat. I was all psyched to see. You know, the, the Timberwolves play the Blazer, and they canceled it. But as a result, I got back to my hotel room. I could watch the Spurs versus the Rockets. And, I, you know, I, I was mining uh, or videoing whatever uh, some of the POW defense. And it really is hard to understand why they, as you watch the Rockets score after score after score, and it's POW is just watching them. It doesn't, doesn't even move. He doesn't even move to try and, like, put a hand up when it was, should have been his rotation. I don't understand why he's why he gets the minutes he does, and it's going to be their downfall. Yeah, I mean, Deadman should just take all those minutes. And and you and I have been saying that since week one. And, um, you know, that that's just we, – we know, like, we know what the problem is, but Pop loves his veterans, so he's going to stick with them. Right. Now, I know you got to go in a minute, um, so uh, I guess we won't talk about my trip, uh, you know, to across the country, but – we will be going. We'll be right back again here on Monday with our normal scheduled solving the problems, MBA's problems, one question at a time. So I guess we can make time to do it there. Does that sound good? Sounds perfect. Well, we'll tease it and we'll get everyone all excited to hear all of my interesting stuff and locker room experiences. So, um, you know, good stuff. Great questions too today. And uh, I don't know, Dave. Thanks for for joining us and hope you feel a lot better. Yeah, I'll be good to go by the weekend. I just need to get out of this wet weather. I don't. I don't know how people live in a place that's this cold and wet. I hear you. It's, uh, I, I was living through it in L.A. It was cold and wet for about a month and a half. It was terrible. So, uh, But listen, Portland's awesome. Seattle's awesome. They're beautiful places. Lots of green. And uh, we love you out there. Uh, and uh, I love you, Dave. Thanks for coming on. And uh, <laughs> I'll, we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you on Monday after we see you on this one. This one drops on Friday. Don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Uh, yes. Yes, I am.